Welcome to the Celebration Church podcast and thanks so much for tuning in. Celebration Church is one church in 10 locations across Southeast Louisiana. We are all about changing lives, homes, our city, and the world through Jesus Christ. We hope that you're both encouraged and challenged by today's message. Thanks for joining us again for Celebration Online. Whether you're here in the New Orleans region or other parts of the world, we're grateful that you have a hunger and passion to know the Lord and to learn God's Word and to learn how to live daily in the power of the Holy Spirit. In fact, we're going to be talking about that today, about living daily in the power of the Holy Spirit. If you have your Bible or Bible app, turn with me to the Gospel of John and the 16th chapter. In just a moment, we're going to read the first seven verses, and we're going to learn from Jesus how to have faith in the midst of frustrating times. Let me ask you a question. Do you ever struggle with problems in your life? Well, the answer to that is sure you do. We all do, and hardships come in a variety of ways in our lives. Sometimes those hardships come because of physical struggles, because of illnesses or injuries. Sometimes those hardships come because of financial struggles or relational conflict or problems finding work or problems on the job. I mean, struggles and troubles are a part of every person's life. That's why Jesus said at the end of John chapter 16, in this world, you're going to have many trials and tribulations. Now, someone may have told you that if you became a Christian, you would no longer have any problems in your life. may have told you that if, if you became a Christian, all your troubles would go away and everyone would love you like they love crawfish and king cake here in the New Orleans region. I'm sorry if someone told those mistruths to you. Jesus reminds us, John 14, 15, and 16, that troubles are a part of every person's life, but especially a part of those who love the Lord and who are living for the Lord. But he also reminds us that we can overcome those struggles and troubles in our lives. Listen to what Jesus said in John chapter 16, beginning with verse 1. Jesus said, I've told you these things so that you won't abandon your faith. For you'll be expelled from the synagogues, and the time is coming when those who kill you uh, will think they are doing a holy service to God. This is because they've never known the Father. They've never known me. Yes, I'm telling you these things now so that when they happen, you'll remember my warning. I didn't tell you earlier because I, I was going to be with you for a while longer, but now I'm going away to the one who sent me, and not one of you is asking where I am going. Instead, you grieve because of what I've told you. But in fact, it is best for you that I go away because if I don't, the advocate won't come. If I do go away, then I will send him to you. And we're going to read in just a few moments the uh, following verses up to verse 14. But Jesus is telling us some important things in those verses in our lives. First of all, again, he's reminding us that troubles are a part of every person's life, but also particularly a part of a Christian's life. Again, at the end of this chapter, in John 16, Jesus said, Here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows. The Apostle Paul echoed that sentiment throughout his writings uh, and throughout the New Testament. He also said these words in 2 Timothy 3.12, Everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Jesus was saying the same thing in the opening verses of John chapter 16. Now, we all know what troubles are like, whether they're physical troubles, emotional troubles, financial troubles, relational troubles, vocational troubles. Uh, we all know what troubles of like, uh, are like in our lives, but what is persecution? Persecution is something else. Persecution is antagonism from others because of our faith. It's receiving ridicule 
and rejection because of the lives that we live and because of the Lord that we love in our lives. Now, there are many Christians around the world who are going through extreme persecution, and we ought to be praying for them and reaching out to them in every way that we can. But even here in the United States of America, we're beginning to experience ridicule and rejection and other challenges because of our faith. But here's what I want you to understand. No matter what challenges, uh, no matter what the challenges are or where they come from, Jesus encouraged his disciples to remain faithful, to remain faith-filled in their lives. Again, in verse 1, Jesus said, I've told you these things so that you won't abandon your faith. Let's examine the word abandon for a moment. Uh, Abandon is a Greek word, skandalizo, from which we get our words scandal or scandalized in the English language. It literally means to give up one's faith or to fall back into sin. When Jesus made that statement, he was communicating that when troubles or persecution come, we must avoid giving up our faith, and we must avoid falling back into sin. Now, sometimes when we're going through troubles, that's when we're tempted to give up on the Lord, to turn away from the Lord, or to give up on our faith. Has that ever happened to you? Sometimes you wonder, why isn't God taking care of me? Why isn't God providing for me? Why isn't God protecting me? And people turn away from the Lord. Many Christians have done that. But, but someone once told me, the Lord never gave up on you. So don't you ever give up on him. And that's the truth I want to cling to in my life. In fact, it says in Hebrews 10, 23, let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep his promise. And I discover that God always keeps his promises. His promises may not come true in my time frame, but he always keeps his promises. So when troubles and persecution come, we must avoid giving up our faith. But we also must avoid falling into sin. Sometimes when we go through troubles, We're tempted to fall back into our old ways of life. Abandoning our faith in the Lord leads to us falling back into sin in our lives, which leads to further trouble in our lives. It's sort of like a a rat in a rat trap. I wonder how many of you who are listening, how many of you like rats? (laughs) I would guess the vast majority of you dislike rats. Some of you would run from a little mouse or from a little rat. Now, you've seen the picture of the rat and the rat trap. To the rat, all he sees is the cheese, all nice and golden yellow, with the aroma of cheddar in the air. So he goes to examine it a little closer and a little closer and a little closer. Then he wants a taste of it. And we We all know what happens next. Bam! Don't be enticed by the way sin looks or smells. No matter how appealing it may be, I want you to understand that sin will capture you like a rat trap if you let it. But the good news is the Lord always gives us a way out when we're confronted with temptation and sin. One of my favorite verses is 1 Corinthians 10, 13, which says the temptations in your life are no different from what others experience, and God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand when you're tempted. He will show you a way out so you can endure it, so you can overcome it. So we must avoid giving up our faith or falling into sin when great obstacles or opposition or struggles or troubles occur in our lives. Now, in John 16, Jesus, we can see he intends for his followers to be prepared for whatever challenges they may face. He says in verse 4, I'm telling you these things now so that when they happen, not if they happen, but when they happen, you'll remember my warning. And in that verse and the verses that follow, Jesus gives us a warning, but he also gives us some principles that will help us to overcome the struggles and troubles of life, some principles that will help us to maintain our faith in frustrating times. So what steps can we take to maintain our faith in the midst of frustrating times? Two primary things I want you to think about today. To begin with, we can have faith in frustrating times when we trust in the plans of God's Son. We can have faith in frustrating times when we trust in the plans of God's Son. 
Let me take you back to our passage of Scripture, John chapter 16, and look at verses 5 and 6. John said, but now I'm going away to the one who sent me. And not one of you is asking where I'm going. Instead, you are grieving because of what I've told you. Now, in these verses, in the chapter 14 and 15 before, Jesus is telling his disciples that he's soon to go away, that he's about to leave planet Earth, and he's about to go back to have heaven. And it's obvious that they're not happy about that news. The disciples were shaken. They were sad about the news that Jesus was going to depart from them. They didn't understand why he had to leave or why that was happening to them. They didn't understand or agree with the plan that Jesus was presenting to them. Have you ever had that happen to you in your life when someone presented you a plan or something happened and you wonder, why did they do that? It happens oftentimes when I'm watching my sports team. I, I may see a play that ensues or I may see a play that is called by the coach and I wondered, I wondered myself, what were you thinking? Why, why did you have that kind of plan? Perhaps the disciples were thinking the same thing about Jesus at this point in time. They didn't understand why he was going to leave them, even though... They didn't understand why he couldn't stay with them. Now, even though the disciples were struggling to embrace the Lord's plan, Jesus knew exactly what he was doing when he was communicating that plan to them. You see, the Lord is omniscient. That means that the Lord is all-knowing. There are many things he knows about the bigger picture that we aren't privy to. And because we are limited in our knowledge and understanding, sometimes the Lord's plans seem unreasonable to us. We've got to remember what the Lord said in Isaiah 55. He said in Isaiah 55, 8 and 9, my thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord, and my ways are far beyond anything you can imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. You see, when we think we know better than God, and when we refuse to embrace his plans, that's when we find ourselves losing our faith or giving up hope or get, losing our joy or our peace. And ultimately, that's when we find ourselves falling into sin. You know, people often ask me, Pastor, why does the Lord allow me to go through so many trials and troubles in my life? Have you ever wondered that question? Have you wondered why that's a part of the Lord's plan for your life? Well, let me give you three quick answers to that question. Sometimes the Lord allows us to go through troubles in order to discipline us in our lives. Uh, let me show you a verse that, that emphasizes that. It says in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 6, the Lord disciplines those whom he loves. In other words, when we're out of the will of God for our lives and we have wrong pursuits and wrong priorities in our lives, we can expect that the Lord is going to allow, purposely allow some difficulties and troubles to come into our lives. You say, well, why would the Lord do that? Because he loves us. Because he loves us. Now, I'm sure some of you who are listening, you are parents or you've been parents at some time in your life. And I'm sure that you had to discipline your children. There are no perfect children on the planet. Why did you discipline your children? It's because you wanted them to mature. You wanted them to learn how to do what is right. You wanted them to succeed in life. And you know, they had to learn the rules and the guidelines for life. Ultimately, you discipline your children because you love them and you want what's best for them. Now, my parents really believed in discipline when I was growing up. In fact, they used to discipline the old-fashioned way. Somebody asked me, and Dennis said, did your parents know anything about timeout? I said, my parents knew nothing about timeout. What they knew about was time's up, and they knew how to really discipline. Now, when they went to discipline me, here's what they would often say to me. Dennis, we're doing this because we love you. 
We're doing this because we love you. Later on as a parent, when I became a parent, I realized that was indeed true. When we discipline our children, it's because that we love them. And when God allows big problems to come into our lives at times, it's not because he dislikes us. It's not because he's mad at us. He disciplines us because he loves us. In fact, some of you right now are experiencing the Lord's discipline in your life. If you'd be willing to let go of those ungodly relationships or those ungodly activities or those ungodly priorities, and you would come out from under the Lord's discipline, and those troubles would just melt and vanish away. Some of you perhaps are headed for the Lord's discipline in your life until, unless you're willing to let go of some of those ungodly relationships and, and activities in your life. But here's what I want you to know. Sometimes it's the Lord's plan for us to go through troubles because he's disciplining us. Sometimes the Lord allows us to go through troubles in order to deepen our relationship with him. Have you ever noticed that some people, some people, when they go through troubles, man, that's when they deepen their relationship with the Lord. That's when they uh, make it uh, uh, haste to get back to the Lord. It causes them to turn to the Lord and trust in the Lord in greater ways. The truth of the matter is most of us, including me, we struggle with self-reliance in our lives. We try to live life in our own strength, in our own ability, by our own intellect, by our own plans and purposes. But when a difficulty occurs, when a tragedy occurs, we're reminded of how much we need the Lord in our lives. Paul wrote about a difficult time in his life, and here's what he said. 2 Corinthians 1, verses 8 and 9, he said, We were crushed and completely overwhelmed, and we thought we would never live through it. Does that sound familiar to anybody here today? And he said, We thought we would never live through it. In fact, we expected to die, but as a result, we learned to rely not on ourselves, but on God, the God who raises the dead. Sometimes it's the Lord's plan for us to go through troubles in order to cause us to deepen our relationship with him. And sometimes the Lord allows us to go through troubles to develop us. Paul wrote these words in Romans 5, verses 3 and 4. He wrote, we can rejoice when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they are good for us. They help us learn to endure, and endurance develops strength of character in us. According to Paul, according to James, it takes problems and trials to develop the character of Jesus in our lives. You see, that's not, tip, that's not particularly our goal at times. Our goal is comfort. Our goal is convenience. Our goal is furthering our careers and those kinds of things. But, but the Lord's primary goal in our life is developing the character of Jesus in our life. And according to the Bible, that takes going through some struggles and troubles in life. This is not heaven. This is a place for character development. And it takes troubles and trials to develop our character, to develop the character of Jesus. And as someone said, where you're going and what you're doing is not nearly as important as what you're becoming. Until we understand the goal of life is character development, life is not going to make much sense to us. We're going to have all kinds of troubles and all kinds of problems. We're going to wonder, why is God allowing this to happen in my life? Why is life so tough? Why is this happening to me? I'm telling you, the Lord is allowing those troubles at times. It's a part of his plan to develop the character of Jesus in your life. When you become more like Jesus, you'll find your problems easing and your victories mounting. Here's the bottom line. When we learn to trust in the Lord, and when we learn to trust in his plans and to open ourselves up, that's when we open ourselves up to experience the blessings of God in our lives. Peter Marshall was a Scottish preacher who answered his call to the ministry at 24 years of age when he immigrated to New York with no money to his name so he could attend a Bible college. But listen to what he had to say. He became a, an advisor of presence in the United States. Here's what he had to say about trusting and embracing God's plans. He said, God will not permit any troubles to come upon us unless he has a specific plan by which blessing can come out of that difficulty. Listen to that again. God will not permit any troubles to come upon us unless he has a specific plan by which great blessing can come out of that difficulty. You see, 
Peter Marshall uh, understood and embraced what the Apostle Paul communicated to Christians in Rome in the first century. Paul wrote these words. He said, we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. That's Romans 8, 28. And the truth is, God promises his children that no matter what we go through, no matter what trials or troubles or persecutions we go through, God's working them out for our favor, for our good, if we continue to love him and live for him and trust him in our lives. So you can have faith in frustrating times when you trust in the plans of God's Son. But you can also have faith in frustrating times when we trust in the purposes and power of God's Spirit. Let me take you back to John chapter 16, verse 7, where Jesus said to his disciples, but in fact, it is best for you that I go away. Because if I don't, the advocate won't come. If I do go away, then I will send him to you. And we know from John 14, 15, and 16, the advocate Jesus was referring to is none other than the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity. When we look back at the original language of the New Testament, we learn that the word advocate here in John 16, 7, and the Greek is parakletos. It's literally a person who acts as a spokesperson or representative of someone else's policy, purpose, or cause, especially before a judge in a court of law. He said that the Holy Spirit's like our, he's like our counselor and our defender. Once again, Jesus is reminding his disciples that no matter whatever struggles or troubles you may face, you're not going to be by yourself. Jesus had to return to heaven, just as he had said he would do, but, but he wouldn't leave his followers alone. He has given us the Holy Spirit who empowers us to maintain our faith even in the most frustrating times in our lives. Sometimes I'm asked, who is the Holy Spirit? And why is he important for my life? Growing up as a boy, when I went to church, the pastor always read the Bible from the King James Version. He didn't talk about the Holy Spirit. They talked about the Holy Ghost, and all I knew was I was supposed to be afraid of ghosts. Now, there was, back in my day, Casper, the friendly ghost, but all other ghosts are to be feared and stayed away from. And it seems that many churches and many Christians have that same perspective about the Holy Spirit. But I want you to know, we have nothing to fear regarding the Holy Spirit. It is to our advantage and to our benefit to learn everything we can learn about him and to draw as close to him as we can and to learn how to appropriate his power for our lives. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit is God. He's part of the triune God. And the Bible says he's our helper, our teacher, our defender, our convictor, our God, our power source, our intercessor, and that his purpose is to bring godliness and joy and victory to our lives. So in what ways can the Holy Spirit help us when we're dealing with frustrating times? Let me give you two answers to that question from today's scripture passage. To begin with, the Holy Spirit's available to bring conviction to our lives. Conviction to our lives. Look what it says in John 16, verse 8. Jesus said, when the Holy Spirit comes, he will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. Many translations say he will convict the world about sin and righteousness and judgment. Now remember, Jesus referred to the Holy Spirit as the advocate, as a parakletos, as the advocate, where in a courtroom setting, that would be the Holy Spirit is our defense counsel. He's fighting on our behalf. He's pleading on our behalf. The Holy Spirit's the defender of God's people, but here he describes the Holy Spirit's role as a, as a prosecuting attorney. He's also here to convict us and to convict the world of sin and righteousness and judgment. You see, Jesus explained not only will the Holy Spirit act and speak on our defense, but he will actively prosecute the ways of the world in regard to his sinfulness, God's righteousness, 
and the coming judgment. Let me ask you, have you ever experienced a conviction of the Holy Spirit in your life? We all need to experience the conviction of the Holy Spirit in our life. We need to experience conviction regarding our personal sinfulness. Now, the truth of the matter is none of us as Christians are perfect. None of us are without sin. The truth is we sometimes fall back into sinful habits, sinful attitudes, and sinful ways in our lives. Now, a Christian shouldn't just leap into sin and love it, uh, but a Christian is someone who lapses into sin, and then they learn to loathe it. I tell people the difference between a real Christian and a non-Christian is that a Christian leaps into sin, a non-Christian leaps into sin and loves and enjoys that sin, while a real Christian lapses into sin and loathes it. But it may feel good and seem good for a little while, but after a while, we begin to detest the sin and the bondage it brings to our lives. Now, now to understand this. Following Jesus doesn't mean that your life becomes sinless, but it does mean you'll start to sin less in your life because the Holy Spirit will not let you get comfortable with that sin. He will bother us. He will convict us. We will feel guilty when we sin. Now, I know people who try to cover up their sin, try to rationalize their sin. That's sort of like decorating a porta potty or a portage on. No matter how nice you may try to make it look, it's still going to stink on the inside. King David was someone who wrestled with conviction about sin in his life. He said in Psalm 32, verse 3, when I refused to confess my sin, my body wasted away and I groaned all day long. Now, David had some sins in his life that he was trying to keep hidden. You can read about that in the stories of David in 2 Samuel chapter 11 and 12. But, but even though he was the king of his nation, he couldn't get away from that guilt. He couldn't get away from that sin. God knew and God's spirit was working on him even though nobody else knew what he had done. I reminded of a story one time of some college guys who were trying to struggle. They were trying to smuggle a goat. It was another university's mascot. They were trying to smuggle a goat up to their dorm room, and they had the goat there in front of the elevator taking him up to the dorm room, and somebody stopped them and asked, what about the smell? And one of the college guys said, well, the goat will just have to get used to it. Now, college guys, they can put up with some smell and dirt and grime and stuff, but let me tell you that God's Spirit is not going to allow God's people to continually live with dirty sins and dirty secrets in our lives. He's going to convict us of our sin. Why? He convicts us so that we might avoid our sin. He convicts us so we can repent of it. He convicts us so we, convicts us so we can be cleansed from it. And I'm telling you, I'm grateful for the Holy Spirit's conviction in my life. David said this in Psalm 32, verse 5, Finally, I confessed all my sins to you and stopped trying to hide my guilt. I said to myself, I'll confess my rebellion to the Lord, and you forgave me. All my guilt is gone. I'm telling you, when the Holy Spirit convicts you and you confess that sin and repent of it, and God lifts it from your shoulder, you feel like a million pounds have been lifted off your shoulder. We all need to experience conviction regarding our personal sinfulness. We also need to experience conviction regarding moral righteousness. In the book of Judges, chapter 17, verse 6, the Bible says, In those days Israel had no king, and all the people did whatever seemed right in their own eyes. Now, if you didn't know any better, you'd think that verse was written in 2021. You probably heard some people say, What's wrong for you isn't necessarily wrong for me. You may have found yourself thinking that or even saying that at some time in your life. But if God is real, and we know that he is, and he created everything that exists, and we know that he did, then only he is in the position of determining what is right and wrong, and he tells us what's right and wrong in the Bible, in his word, and we must strive to live and encourage others to live by the principles and practices that are found in the word of God. While the world may have differing ideas of what is right and wrong, 
God has a final word on what is truly right and good. The Bible says in Psalm 119, 142, your righteousness, O God, is everlasting, and your law is true. And then we need to experience conviction regarding eternal justice. The Bible says one day each of us will give a personal account to God. Listen, if you're not yet a follower of Jesus Christ, recognizing that one day you'll stand before God and be judged ought to make you want to give your life to the Lord Jesus. And if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, realizing that one day you're going to stand before God and give an account of how you've lived uh, ought to make you want to live a holy and godly life for the Lord. By the way, when the Holy Spirit brings conviction to our lives about a sin or a situation, here's what we need to do. We need to respond with repentance if necessary and trust in the Lord's way and will for our lives. So the Holy Spirit is available to bring conviction to our lives. He's also available to bring direction to our lives. Let me take you down a little farther in John 16 to verse 13, where Jesus said, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own, but will tell you what he has heard. He will tell you even about the future. Now, the Bible tells us the Lord is always speaking to his people. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice, and they follow me. Now, oftentimes, the Bible speaks to us through the Bible, through the Word of God. Sometimes the, Bible speak, sometimes the Lord speaks to us through circumstances and situations in our lives. The Bible says he closes doors no man can close and opens doors that no man can close. Open. Uh, sometimes the Lord speaks to us through other Christians in our lives. That's why it's important to be involved in a small group or have uh, mature Christians in your life because God will speak to you and give you counsel through them. But sometimes the Lord speaks to us by his Spirit in our inner being, in an audible voice, in our inner being. It happened in the first century. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit said to the early Christians, appoint Barnabas and Saul for the special work to which I have called them. And by the way, God, the Holy Spirit, still speaks to people in the 21st century, giving us the direction we need for our lives. Now, here's what happens. As we pray and seek direction from the Lord, the Holy Spirit speaks to us in our inner being to tell us important uh, decisions we need to make and to give us guidance on how we make those decisions. And let me tell you, we need the Holy Spirit's direction for our lives. There's some things, uh, many things the Bible does address that gives us direction for our lives, but there's some things the Bible doesn't address. For example, the Bible doesn't tell us what school to attend. It doesn't tell us what career to pursue. It doesn't tell us what community to belong, to be a part of. It doesn't tell us what church to be a part of. The, the, the Bible doesn't tell us what person to date or marry. All of those are very important decisions. We need God's counsel and help. And to get that, we've got to pray and then listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit. And we've got to be able to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. And when we do, he'll give us direction that will lead us to good blessings and good things in our lives, not in the opposite direction in our lives. Several years ago, I was talking with a friend of mine uh, this past week who lives, uh, who just moved to New Orleans uh, from Quebec province in Canada. He lived in Montreal. Several years ago, Vicky and I took a trip. We actually took a cruise that went from the United States uh, through parts of Canada all the way to Montreal on the St. Lawrence River. We stopped in Halifax there. We've been there several times. It's a beautiful city in Nova Scotia. And we went to the Halifax Maritime Museum just to learn about the area. And we discovered that in the Halifax area, over the years, over hundreds of years, they had many shipwrecks. And, and there was one particular place about 190 miles to the east of, uh, of Halifax called Sable Island, where they had 350 shipwrecks, narrow strip of land, but 350 shipwrecks had occurred there. 
Sometimes those shipwrecks occurred because of the dense fog that would cover the island, and, and, and ships wouldn't see the fog until they ran aground on the island. Sometimes, uh, sometimes uh, uh, the shipwrecks occurred because there's so many fish around Sable Island, and in their haste to catch the fish, they would ignore the danger, and ships would get on the rocks, and there would be a shipwreck. But you know, since 1947, there's not been one single shipwreck at Sable Island. Why? Because ships have been using radar since that time, a signal that guides them and provides direction for them. Do you know why some of you keep having shipwrecks in your life? It's because your Holy Spirit radar hasn't been turned on. You continue making decisions and choices without consulting with the Holy Spirit. That's a foolish way to live. Jesus said, I'm giving you the Holy Spirit. He's going to be your advocate. He's, he's going to be the one to guide you and direct you. And if you'll listen to his voice, he will lead you to experience God's presence, God's power, God's purposes, God's plans in greater ways than you've ever experienced or ever envisioned. In fact, Jesus said these words in John 16, verses 14 and 15. He will bring me glory by telling you whatever he receives from me. All that belongs to the Father is mine, which is why I said the Spirit will tell you whatever he receives from me. And those verses we find here in John 16 remind us that the Holy Spirit will never lead us in the wrong direction. And that following his direction brings peace and victory to our lives. Probably when you travel these days, you perhaps use a GPS. Better, far better than a GPS, far better than anything else is having the Holy Spirit's direction and guide for your life. It says in Romans 8, 6, letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death, spiritual death. But letting the Holy Spirit control your mind, give you guidance in your life, leads to life and peace in your life. Let me get back to Jesus' words in the beginning of this passage. He said, I've told you these things so you won't abandon your faith. He's reminding us that maintaining a strong faith in the Lord is the key to living with peace and joy and victory in our lives and that we will have that faith when we're trusting in the Lord's plans and we're trusting in the Holy Spirit's guidance and direction and purposes for our lives. As I was thinking about Jesus' words, I thought about the early Christians, some of the disciples he was speaking to at this time. On the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came and filled their lives, just like he comes into our lives at the moment of salvation. And from that moment forward, they were led by the Holy Spirit. Now, they got into troubles. They experienced persecution, just like Jesus warned them would take place. In fact, after a time of blessing and a time of harvest, Peter and John were called before the Jewish leaders, and, and they were interrogated, and they were cast into prison. Then they were interrogated, and ultimately they were told not to speak to anyone about Jesus and about his salvation for their lives. Peter and John said, we can't help but talk about this Jesus. Here's what it says in Acts 4, verse 23 and following. As soon as they were freed, Peter and John returned to the other believers. They told them what the leading priests and elders had said. And when they heard the report, all the believers lifted their voices together in prayer to God. In that prayer, they were, they were expressing their faith in the Lord, their trust in the Lord, their confidence in the Lord. And the Bible says in verse 31, after this prayer, the meeting place shook, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they preached the word of God. With boldness. They were going through troubles, struggles, persecution, but they maintained their faith in the plans of God's Son. They maintained their faith in the power of God's Spirit. May we be like those Christians in the first century. Let's not let any problems or problem people rob us of our faith or our joy or victory. Let's push forward, trusting in the plans of the Son of God 
and trusting in the purpose of the Spirit of God so we can live the vibrant and victorious lives God's called us to live, regardless of the struggles or troubles we experience in our lives. Now, I have here a glove. It's a work glove that I've used as I've been working on my home, which was devastated by Hurricane Ida. And it's really good. It uh, says max performance on this glove. And, uh, and it's really good for picking up things and holding hammers and all those kinds of things. In fact, it's such a good glove, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask it to pick up my Bible right now. Got my Bible right here. And so I'm going to take my glove and I'm going to ask it to pick up my Bible. Glove, go ahead and pick up my Bible. It does say max performance here. Glove, go ahead and pick up my Bible. Well, you know this glove can't pick up my Bible. There's no power no strength inside the glove. But if I put on the glove, there's a different presence inside the glove, and I'm easily able to pick up my Bible. You see, in our lives, we're often like this glove. Uh, We've designed well. We've got good purposes and plans for our lives, but we don't have the power to overcome the struggles and troubles of life. But if we'll let the Holy Spirit of God fill our lives with His presence and power, We'll be able to overcome every struggle, every trouble, every problem, every problem person that comes our way. We'll be able to maintain our faith in the most frustrating of times. Now, I want you to bow your head with me right now. Our heads are bowed and eyes are closed. I want to ask you, what kind of troubles are you going through right now in your life? What kind of struggles are you experiencing? Are you dealing with health issues or financial issues? or relational struggles, or emotional crises, or uh, are you dealing with problems at work, or problems finding work? Are you dealing with persecution from others because of your faith and fidelity to the Lord? Jesus said those times are going to come. He said when those times come, don't abandon your faith. Trust in the plans of God's Son. Trust in the purposes of God's Spirit. And I'm telling you, if you will do that, the Lord will give you the faith that you need overcome every obstacle, every opponent, every challenge, every difficulty, live a vibrant and victorious life. Now, our heads are bowed, but I, I can only make that promise to those who have Jesus as a Savior and Lord of our lives. See, you don't have the Holy Spirit in your life until Jesus becomes a Savior and Lord of your life. But the moment you can recognize your need for Jesus, repent of your sin, uh, ask Jesus to come into your life, the Spirit of God comes into your life. He, he enters your life. He fills your life with His presence. And as a power is then available to help us through the struggles and troubles of life. Our heads are bowed and eyes are closed. But if you've never accepted Jesus right now, I want to encourage you to do that. Just pray with me to make him the Savior and Lord of your life. Pray, dear Lord Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God, the Savior of the world. And today I'm asking you to come into my life to forgive me of my sin and to transform my life. And I welcome you, Holy Spirit, into my life. Fill my life with your presence, your peace, the love of the Lord, the joy of the Lord and the power I need to maintain my faith and live a vibrant and victorious life, regardless of the struggles or troubles I may encounter in life. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Here's what I'd like for you to do. I'd like for you to go to our digital worship guide at webcc.info. And there you will find the My Decision tab. And if today you pray with me to receive Jesus as your Savior, check off I pray with the pastor. If you need to rededicate your life to the Lord, if you've kind of struggled in your faith or in your walk with the Lord, you need to rededicate your life to the Lord. Let us know about that. If you need a life group, a small group of Christians to help strengthen you and encourage you, 
We have online groups as well as in-person groups. And, and then if there's any way we can pray for you or serve you or help you, you can let us know. But take a moment, go to webcc.info, uh, to that digital worship guide, and let us know a decision you've made or how we can pray for you or how we can help you in the coming days. And let me pray for you as we close. Lord, today, just like Jesus promised, times of trouble are going to come into the life of every person, particularly into the life of every believer. Thank you for Jesus' challenge to maintain our faith in the most frustrating of times. Remind us we can do that when we trust in the plans of God's Son and the purposes and power of God's Spirit. I pray for every single person who's watching this, uh, this worship service. I pray that they would know how special they are to you, how much you love them and care for them, and that you will enable them and empower them to overcome every obstacle, every opponent, every challenge, every difficulty when they put their faith and trust and confidence in you. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. If you were encouraged by today's message, make sure to rate us and subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you stream your podcast. Again, thanks for listening to the Celebration Church Podcast.